I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Todd Burpo. He's a US pastor whose son had emergency surgery and had a visit to heaven at the age of four. It's an amazing story. Our guest host is Lee Hatcher from Open House. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. When Todd Burpo's four-year-old son started talking about heavenly experiences that he'd had while fighting for his life on an operating table... Todd got curious, and he was absolutely stopped in his tracks when young Colton started to describe in detail the deceased family members he'd met in heaven, even a miscarried sister he'd never been told about. It's a remarkable story that Todd has written about in the best-selling book, Heaven is for Real, and Todd joins me on the line from the United States. Hi, Todd. Welcome to Open House. Hey, thanks for inviting me, Lee. I appreciate it. This is my first time to be in Australia. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Thanks for joining us. This story is about um, largely your son, Colson, but uh, give us a a picture first of yourself and your family. Well, uh, I'm a small town pastor. I I live in a community of about 1,800. It's a rural community. And uh, I'm sure small town communities in Australia are probably like they are in the United States. You kind of get to know everybody and here I have a, a daughter who's now a uh, 14-year-old. She just finished her freshman year, going to be a sophomore. Colton, um, who the book's about, it just finished sixth grade. He's going to seventh grade. And now he's got a younger brother, Colby, who's uh, getting ready to go for first grade. Now, your book begins with uh, Colton suddenly struck with a life-threatening illness. Take us through that. My son got sick and started kind of throwing up in the hotel uh, uh, bathroom and then my daughter got sick so we had one child heaving into the toilet and the other one into the bathroom and it really looked like we had the bug and Colton had run a fever fever the day before and that's what the doctor said it was going around and uh, Cassie got Betty at, better afterwards though and, and Colton didn't and he just continued to to get worse he started throwing up bile and we take him back to the doctor and, and the doctor still thought at first that it was still just a worst case of the virus and we're working at five days of this mm. You can see a, a body start shrinking away and the eyes setting back in, in the head. And, and you can see when a body starts shutting down, when a person's starting to die. Incredibly frightening to see all those signs in your, in your toddler son. And so we took them from our little community hospital here and went to a regional medical center. And there they did a CT scan. And there discovered that his appendix had ruptured for about five days. So his little body had been poison for five days and was toxic and they have uh, an emergency uh, surgery which is kind of in layman's terms an intestinal clean out where they literally opened him up and, and just tried to clean as much poison out of him as he could as they could uh, he was so dehydrated when they came in that they couldn't uh, put an iv in him in the in the pre-op room before they prepared him for surgery and so when they were wheeling him back to the surgery he was still awake and uh, they, they knew they were going to put a gas mask on him to kind of let him relax and go to sleep. And so he's screaming. I mean, he's alert. He's like, Daddy, Daddy, don't let him take me. Daddy, make him stop. Um, I'll never forget those screams as, as much as I wish. I, uh, You know, as a dad, uh, I, for me anyway, I've always wanted to provide and protect my family. And, and I couldn't provide for my family. I, I'd, I'd lost work so much that year, and then I couldn't protect my son. 
I guarantee you, Lee, that was the lowest of my low that I've ever lived. I can only begin to imagine. It wasn't until some months later that you started to put some of the jigsaw puzzle pieces together about what had actually happened on that table. Yeah, he he'd mentioned several things, and we kind of talk about it in the book, things that maybe he tried to get our attention on, but it didn't work. And we were just so exhausted and worn out by the time we got out of the hospital. When Colton started saying things like, well, you know, Jesus told me I had to be nice, and we were kind of like, well, yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, you better be nice, you know, when you're disciplining your son. And he says, yeah, Dad, Jesus told me I had to be nice. Sure, kinda, sure. <laughs> well, what do you do with that? You're just like, well, yeah, well, he's t- taking my side, you know. And Well, four months later, we go back to North Platte. We're driving to the same town where he was in the hospital. And those emotions and those feelings were so raw, it took us a while to be even able to talk about what had happened to us. But four months later, we were able to kind of joke about it just a little bit, and and we told our son, well, you want to go back to the hospital? And he's like, oh, no, Daddy, I don't want to go back. Send Cassie. That's his older sister. Hmm. And um, then all of a sudden he makes a statement that just stopped us dead in in our tracks. He says, but you know, Dad, that's where the angels sang to me. They sang to me while I was there, Dad. And that's what we we finally looked at each other, and it's like, has he talked to you about angels before? And my wife was like, no, he hadn't talked to me about angels. And that's when we finally realized, okay, we missed something. What else did he say about Jesus? When we we started questioning even then, it was like, well, Colton, um, you mean the angels sang to you? And he's like, yes, uh, Jesus had the angels sing to me because it made me feel better. I wasn't so scared. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, you mean Jesus was there? He's like, yeah, Dad, Jesus was there. And I asked him, I said, well, where was Jesus? And he says, well, Dad, I was sitting in his lap. Um, I kind of write about it in the book. I was so mad at God when I saw my son being taken away back for surgery, and I thought I was going to lose him. I knew when I asked the doctor, is he going to make it, that the doctor just didn't say anything. And I remember in those moments in my wife, we were screaming out in terror to God, going, God, I might never get to hold my son again. And here, all of a sudden, my son is saying at those moments, well, Dad, I was sitting in Jesus' lap. Yeah. And I'm like, how can this be? He's like, well, Dad, I saw you. You know, it was why I was being worked on. I was up above you, and you were in a room by yourself praying. And Mom was in a different room, and she was talking on the phone, on her cell phone, asking people to pray. And all of a sudden... Not only does he take us back to the hospital, but he takes us back to that first surgery. And as a four-year-old sitting there in in, in my vehicle, he's describing to me exactly what I was doing and where I was at, what his mom was doing and where she was at while he was in surgery. And the clarity of how he speaks, you can hardly deny. No, I I was stunned because I think even as a parent... um, I don't know. Do you have any children, Lee? I have four, but they're much older than four. <laughs> yeah, but at, but at four, it's pretty easy to tell when they're pulling your leg. And yes, when they're that's telling right. Yes. And uh, for us, I mean, this is my black and white kid. He he just doesn't make stuff up. He's got other issues that he has to deal with, but he's just black and white serious. Always has been, still is. And we knew he wasn't making anything up. Just matter of factly, this is how it is, Dad. And he started telling me information that my wife, my wife didn't know where I was. I had never bragged about that prayer where I was yelling at God to anybody. And my son's like, Dad, I, I saw you. Mm. 
Yeah, I was stunned. Could you tell us uh, the story of Colton at uh, a funeral that you guys attended? It's a very confronting part of the book, Todd. Yeah. Well, this was before we had learned of his heaven experience. Uh, this is a month before our trip to North Platte. I was doing a funeral, and, and, and Colton was just learning what these things were. And I remember him asking me, well, what's a funeral, Daddy? I said, well, Colton, you know, a, a person has died, and we're going to go help the family say goodbye and, 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 and try to minister to the family. And he just looks at me. Well, Dad, did he have Jesus in his heart? He has to have Jesus in his heart. And I was kind of like, wow, I... All of a sudden, he had this new just passion. I mean, a passion that I hadn't seen in adults. I mean, a, a, kind of like a fire that you're like, wow. I and mean, an urgency. Oh, a huge urgency. Yeah. I remember going over to the church, and again, when he sees the, the casket there, and, and he sees the body lying there uh, to be visited, he, he, just, he just, again... Dad, does he have Jesus? Did he have Jesus in his heart? Dad, tell me. And, and, and he, he, he's so loud. And, he, and he's so, I've got to know, because, Dad, he's got to have Jesus in his heart to go to heaven. And, and we were just kind of like, well, yeah. I, I, and this was a person that I had never known personally, and the family had asked me to do the funeral. And I had to sit there and say, well, well Colton, I don't know personally because I never met the man, but his family tell, told me he did. And he just, with this passion, I just we, we could not calm him down. As a matter of fact, his sister eventually had to escort him back to the house so we could go on with the funeral. Wow. And, and that moment, I, I just was like, man, where did that come from? We had no clue until afterwards, we, afterwards when we started uh, perceiving of his trip to heaven, I think I have a sense as to where that passion and urgency came from. And, Todd, he described Jesus. Tell me what that was like. Yeah, well, obviously, when he talked about Jesus, I, I just I wanted to have him keep that conversation going. So when I had a chance, I asked him later, you know, well, Colton, what does Jesus look like? And uh, I'll never forget his first reaction to me. He looks up at me. He's playing with these toys. And he says, well, Dad... Jesus has markers. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Dad, Jesus has markers. I didn't know what he was trying to say to me, so I, I, I well, 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 what about his hair? And he starts describing what I would recognize as a crown, but he didn't know what to call a crown. People today don't wear crowns. And then he talks about his hair and the color and how it went down to his shoulders and, and how he had hair on his face. And, uh, you know, I've never had a beard, so he didn't know what to call that. But then he looks at me and he says, but Dad, his eyes, his eyes are so pretty. I said, well, what about his clothes, Colton? And he says, well, Dad, his clothes are really, really white. And he takes his right hand and puts it on his left shoulder, then runs it down to his right hip, and he says, and, and, and right here, Dad, he had purple. He's the only one in heaven that wore purple. And then he looks at me again, and, and he says, and Dad, Jesus has markers. I, I, I wrestled with that. I was like, what are you trying to say? Eventually, I, I come back to him. I said, Colton, I don't know what you mean by markers. Do you mean colors, like colors? And he's like, yeah, Dad, like colors. And I asked him, I said, well, Colton, well, well, what color is Jesus' markers? And he looked at me and said, Dad, they're red. And all of a sudden, it kind of dawned on me maybe what he was trying to tell me. And I asked him, I said, Colton, where are Jesus' markers? 
I remember him dropping the toys he had in his hands, the little action figures, and he stood up. And he took his index finger of his right hand and pointed inside his left palm. Then he took his left finger, pointed inside his right palm, bent over and touched the tops of his feet. And he said, Dad, that's where Jesus' markers are. It's an amazing moment. Amazing moment. Well, yeah, the, the hair on the back of my neck's just standing up at that point in time. Yes. Did you have your own doubts, Todd, as he was explaining this, conveying this to you? I did. I, you know, uh, I, I believe in miracles. I believe God still is an amazing God who still wants to do miracles in people's lives. I just never thought this would happen to me. Mm. Um, I'm a pastor. I, you know, I, I don't hide that from anyone. But my son, uh, seeing and experiencing this sort of stuff, I, I was not really prepared for it at first. I was like, how can this be true? And I had... I had the benefit of being close enough to him to ask the right questions. But when the details he shared about me in the hospital were not only just completely convincing, but when he talked about family members he met in heaven, one of the things that uh, cynics or people who question near-death experiences always put out there is they'll say, well, the drugs kind of release chemicals and they remember things that they've heard or someone's told them before. And family members in heaven that no Sunday school teacher ever talked to him about are obviously things the drugs didn't induce. Yes. Um, I remember he came to us one day in the front room, and he walks up to his mom, and he actually kind of skipped into the room. Uh, at that age, he did more skipping than walking. And he walked up to his mom and said, Mom, I have two sisters. I was sitting uh, kind of adjacent to the room. It's, we have kind of an L-shaped front room, and I was over at the table. She's at the sofa. And she's like, what do you mean? Are you talking about your friend, your cousin? We knew about his older sister, but we didn't know what he was trying to say to yes, I was just going to clarify, he's already got Cassie, the older sister. Yeah. And he's saying, I have two sisters. Yes. And Mom leans forward and says, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you had a baby die in your tummy, didn't you, Mom? And all of a sudden, you talked about time stopping. I mean, all of a sudden, we were both just didn't know where he was going. Um, in between him and Cassie, we had a, a miscarriage. My wife was only two months along, and um, it was, I'll never forget, the Father's Day was just yesterday, and it would have been 13 years ago from the day before yesterday that we lost that baby. It was the night before Father's Day. And um, we were going to announce to our church on Father's Day we were expecting again, and that's when we lost the baby. And But only at two months, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. And I remember the tears, the pain that we went through, the crying over the loss. We had just kind of adjusted the fact we were going to be parents again, and then we lost the child. And um, a few months later, Sonia conceived again, and then we were blessed with Colton. And we we tried to kind of move on, if you will, you know. Uh, we replaced our hurt with the joy of parenting again and focused on being parents. And I don't know how you tell a three-year-old that babies die in their mommy's tummies without scaring them to death. You know, we had not brought that up to him. We had not shared that in front of him. And when he said that she'd had a baby die in, die in her tummy, my wife's first response was, who told you? And his answer, well, she did. She told me she died in your tummy, Mom. He went to walk away, and then Mom just exploded. I remember her standing up, Colton, Todd Burpo, you get back here right now. You don't tell me something like that and walk away. Now, 
that was about many decibels louder than what I just shared that with you, of course. <laughs> sure, you know, yes. I remember my son looking at me like, Dad, help, and I'm like, you are so on your own. <laughs> There's nothing I can do for you, you know. I mean, we're stunned. Again, what and, an amazing moment. <laughs> we're with Todd Burpo, who has uh, written this most remarkable story in his book, Heaven is for Real. Todd, he also described meeting his grandfather, his great-grandfather. Yes, um, uh, I had a grandfather I was very close to. His name, uh, to me, affectionately was Pop. His name was Lawrence, but I always called him Pop. And we were in the truck one day, and just like he would kind of brought up his sister, he kind of looks up at me and says, Dad, you used to have a grandpa named Pop, didn't you? Now, this one didn't catch me off wasn't quite as startling as you had a baby die in your tummy, didn't you? Because I figured he'd heard about Pop from his grandmother or from me sometimes. You know, we had occasionally mentioned, you know, Pop. And I'm like, yeah. And he just looks at me and says, well, Dad, he's really nice. You used to play with him. You used to go on the farm with him and shoot things with him. And I'm like, well, how do you know that? Well, he told me, Dad. And uh, uh, the stunning moment for me on this one, too, was a couple years later, I remember his description of his sister. We would ask him, what does his sister look like? And he would describe her to us. Well, she looks a lot like Cassie, but she's not quite as big as Cassie and has brown hair instead of blonde hair. And, boy, she just wouldn't quit hugging me, Dad. She just hugged me all the time, you know. But um, I kept thinking of that description of my daughter, how I would expect her to look something like that on this side of heaven. So I finally asked my mom, I said, Mom, do you happen to have a picture of Pop as a young man anywhere? I would take Colton to a picture of Pop that I had at 61, and he'd just look at it and say, Well, Dad, no one's old in heaven, and no one wears glasses, and Pop has big wings. But he would just look at the picture, and he just wouldn't say much. So she sent me this this copy of a black and white picture she found i didn't even know she had one she put it in a box years before colton was born there's no way he'd ever seen this family picture and we have it in our book my grandmother who was still alive was in the picture i handed him this picture and without hesitation i never even told him what it was i say colton hey take a look at this and he's about six years old at the time he looks at this picture and goes hey how did you get a picture of pop no hesitation and i'm sitting there going colton well, are you sure that's Pop? Yeah. How did you get his picture? And I'm like, well, do you recognize anyone else in the picture, Colton? And he's like, no. Oh. I pointed to my grandmother. I go, well, what about her? And he's like, I don't know who that is. How nice. I'm like, well, Colton, who was Pop married to? And he looks down at it and he goes, you mean that's Grandma Ellen? That doesn't look like Grandma Ellen. Now, of course, she looked a lot better in her 20s than in her 80s, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Todd, what are the other things that he told you about what that heavenly experience was like? Well, I think um, his description of God himself was just incredible. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, It's amazing how he he talks about how big God the Father is. He's the biggest one there was, but how he loves us. And even to this day, he's just like, Dad, you can just feel God's love in heaven. You you could just feel it. And, And then he talks about Jesus and, of course, how Jesus was his teacher and, and amazing descriptions, not only what he looks like, but the time he spent with him and what Jesus taught him. And then he goes on to the Holy Spirit, and he's like, Dad, you know God's three persons. And he says, well, Dad, the Holy Spirit's kind of blue, but he's hard to describe, you know. <laughs> and uh, But he talks about how he prayed to the Holy Spirit because I needed the Holy Spirit's help, how Jesus showed him how he sent the Holy Spirit to help me. I mean, how many adults struggle with understanding 
a, a God who's three persons, the Trinity, like the Bible describes him as, you know, the triune God. Yes. And, and, and here's a four-year-old looks at me and he goes, Dad, do you know God's three persons? Uh, yeah, I think I know that one, but he, he knows him way better than I do. Yeah. Todd, what were some of the things that you learned about God from Colton? Oh, <laughs> I, I think one of the things about... Uh, uh, God that I learned, I, I think, from Colton, I, I think to me is just the simplicity uh, and, and the, the amazing uh, love he has for us. Um, as a pastor, you know, we try to communicate um, that love to people, and it seems like we just stumble over ourselves all the time, and, and we don't act, represent it accurately. Um, one day, this was the first Good Friday uh, after Colton had come back, and, and I'm like, Colton, do you know what Good Friday is? And I remember his sister sitting there, oh, I do, I do, Daddy. And Colton's like, no, Daddy, I don't know what Good Friday is. And, and Cassie says, well, that was the day Jesus died on the cross. And, and Colton says, oh, yeah, okay. And I asked Colton, I said, Colton, do you know why Jesus died on the cross? And he looks at me, and he says something to me that is so simple and yet profound. He said, well, Dad, Jesus told me that he died on the cross so we could see his daddy. Hmm. And I sat there and I thought, wow. <laughs> How many sermons can you preach before you get such clarity? Exactly. Yeah. You know, and how many four-year-olds have that deep of an understanding and just that simple? Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, wow. The other thing that I learned from Colton, which about God for me anyway, is he had a message for me. Do I know that God really loves the children? Matter of fact, Colton said that heaven is full and full of children. Uh, it's just, you know, uh, so many kids there. And, and I'm so uh, grateful for that. I had a mother uh, write me recently. He said, she said, you know, after reading your book, I have finally understood this. And she says, I've been a Christian all my life. I just now have understood that God loves my kids more than I do. Mm. And uh, I've had to learn that, too. Yes. He, he came back over and over again, and he would say, Dad, Jesus told me to tell you. Dad, Jesus told me to tell you. Dad, Jesus told me to tell you. He did this day after day that he really loves the children. You know, um, when I read the Bible, you know, the one thing that Jesus incredibly got mad at his disciples for were getting in the way of kids. And, and in my ministry, I've had to really look at myself, examine myself, what am I doing to promote children? <laughs> what am, do, do kids have access to me? Do I know that God really loves the children? Todd, your book has uh, broken, I understand, all the publishers' sales records so far. Millions have been printed. And we're so grateful to you for joining us on Open House tonight. What are you hoping people get out of this story in this book? Well, um, back to probably the story about discovering about my... Uh, unborn child that's in heaven. Um, I had to really wrestle with the thought of writing a book. Who am I to be an author, and how is this going to deal with my son? You know, how, how's he going to deal with publicity? And I, I, I by no means predicted this type of response either. No. But God kind of spoke to me. I remember uh, he, he asked me this question. He goes, Todd, do you remember the night you found out about your daughter in heaven? I mean, at that, that moment, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I'll never forget. Sure. He's like, do you remember the peace you experienced? I'm like, oh, yeah, God. 
that peace was indescribable to know I had a kid waiting for me in heaven, just can't wait for me to get there. And he just asked this question, is it right for you to keep that peace to yourself? And I'm like, well, probably not. (laughs) I've never won an argument with God. I don't know about you, Lee, Lee, but I'm kind of zero in forever. And I think we live in a world today where, like Jesus told his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. This isn't heaven yet. But he says, but take heart. I want you to have my peace. I have overcome the world. People in this world, to get through this world, need peace. And I think when they read this book, I hope they'll find peace. They'll, they'll get some, some assurance that the Bible is right. It is on target. The God of the Bible is alive and well today. And not only that, he wants to give them his peace, that peace that passes understanding. And that's what I hope people receive when they read this book. Todd Burpo, I'm sure there are many people around the world and uh, will be here in Australia who aren't the same after they've heard this story, read this book. I thank you again so much for joining us tonight. If you'd like to download this interview, just go to www.historymakersradio.com and also you can make a donation if you'd like. I'm Matt Prater. Have a great week. History Makers.